industry under pressure, innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. It has come to my attention, loyal listeners, that I forgot about something. Now, I would like to be able to say that I did this, you know, like as a bet with myself, uh, just to see if anybody would remember. But in fact, I forgot. And uh, it is good to, to, to know, however, that some people do remember and they tell me about it. So uh, here's what I forgot. Um, uh but it, I guess so. It was before Christmas, not the week immediately before Christmas, but the week before that. And the episode that you heard, uh, I'm sure that you remember instantly, was uh, with a couple of guys from Salesforce, and we were talking about uh, customer centricity. Anyway, in in my little opening bit for that one, I did a pop quiz, and uh, the questions were about, you know, like when did the first gas station open, and how many gas stations are there, and things like that. Um, I'm sure you all remember this in, in perfect detail. Uh, but, and at the end of the quiz, I said, okay, you're going to have to wait till the, ep- end of the, till the end of the episode uh, to hear the answers. And then we got to the end of the episode and I said, well, it's going to take too long. So you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to come back next week. And then next week came and it was the week before Christmas. And we did that, uh, that uh, highly amusing OGGN Christmas episode with Santa falling off the roof and the whole crew singing at the end. And after that, I just completely forgot about the quiz. So, uh, so we're going to do it now. We're going to do the answers now. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna, I don't have a lot of time here to redo, uh, you know, all the things that I said about these questions to make it more interesting than it would otherwise be by itself. But for those of you who have been waiting to find out, uh, what are the answers? Uh, here they are. Now, the first question was, when did the first gas station open? And the uh, the possible answers are A, 1888, B, 1907, C, 1913, and D, all of the above. Now, oddly enough, all of the above is not far from being true here because it does depend on who you ask and, and what exactly do you mean by gas station. But, but most people agree that... Uh, let's see here. When when Good Gulf Gasoline went on sale, the Gulf Refining Company opened America's first true drive-in service station, and that happened in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, on December first, nineteen thirteen. So C is the answer to that one. Although you could you could make arguments for the others. All right, moving along. Question number two. Um, by nineteen forty, how many gas stations were there in the U.S. of A. America? Now. I, I do remember I apologized for not including the rest of the world. It's just I, the numbers are, I don't, even, I don't even know where to get the numbers. So, uh, so, so I just had to go with the U.S. So apologies for that. But the possible answers are A, now this is 1940, by the way. So this is, just, this is 1913 to 1940, 27, 27 years after the first gas station. How many do we have? A, more than 200. B, more than 2,000. C, more than 200,000. And D, no one knows. Now, it's, it is possible that no one knows because I, who knows if these numbers are right. But this is what I found out after scouring the interwebs, that the, uh, 
that by 1940, there were, in fact, uh, 231,000 gas stations or filling stations or petrol stations or whatever whatever it is in your language. We had we had well over 200,000 uh, by 1940, so uh, which is kind of hard to imagine, but nonetheless, C is the answer. Now, the third question. When was the first self-service gas station? Ah, now, I think I, I think I made a joke about how some of you in uh, New Jersey and Oregon are are saying, I, we, we don't know, we still haven't seen the first self-service gas station because they're not allowed. But for the rest of the country, we do have them, and the possible answers are uh, 1947, uh, 1964, 1973, and D, it depends. And um, once again, uh, option D is not is not far from being true uh, because all of these things sort of depend on who you ask and what you mean by what you mean. And so, uh, but however, in this case, option A, 1947, uh, well, it turns out that in 1947 uh, in Los Angeles, somebody opened the first self-service filling station. Now by self-service, we mean that uh, you would, you would, you would pump your own gas, but the attendant still had a lot of work to do because it was just a, he had to come out and he had to reset the pump back to zero because it didn't do that by itself. And he had to take the money and make the change and all that business. But you, you took that pump in your hand and began that road to freedom of pumping your own gas. Now that was 1947, but option B in 1964, well, it turns out that is when uh, a different person, uh, what was his name? Oh yeah. Herb, Herb Tims. He designed a system that let the attendant stay inside where it was nice and warm or cool, depending on what you want. And, um, uh, or, or at least for the, for all of the pumping work. So the, so the customer pumped the gas and the, and the pump reset itself and took care of all of that. So uh, I guess the, I guess the attendant still had to, you know, take the money. Maybe you went up to the window or you walked inside and handed it to him so he could stay, stay where in the, uh, in the climate controlled area. Then in 1973 at a station in Abilene, Texas, somebody invented pay at the pump and thus we were all free to uh, pump our gas uh, at, at, at completely on our own without any interference whatsoever. And I, and I, it doesn't say this here, but I'm guessing that this is when the convenience store was invented because now that the attendant had nothing else to do, uh, there were so many more possibilities. And so now we've got, you know, and you began to get the little hot dogs on the, on the rollers and, and the, uh, and all the different items you could put into a microwave. I mean, I, I'm sure that this happened during that period. All right. So those are the answers to the quiz, and I'm going to roll right into today's uh, discussion because, um, uh, well, okay, so I hope you're not in a hurry. Um, well, even if you are in a hurry, yeah, this is going to be a great one because what we did today is I have, a, I have an old friend, um, and, uh, well, you know, like a professional friend, an industry friend, not a, not a beer-drinking friend, although um, a lot of our discussions did involve uh, something with a uh, percentage on the label. So, uh, but usually what happens is when we get together over the many years that we've known each other, we get together and, um, and we have these sort of very interesting meandering conversations where we, where we just talk about all kinds of interesting things, whatever's in our heads about those things. And so we thought we would, uh, um, oh, and by the way, he has a very deep technology background, so we're not just going completely off the rails today, but we thought we would treat you to uh, the same experience. Now, we're going to keep it a little bit more under control for your benefit. <laughs> it's not going to meander quite so much or maybe go so long. However, it's still going to be good. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the Oil & Gas Tech Show, Mr. Scott Sempton. 
friends, I am here today. Uh, as you heard right before that snappy musical interlude, I'm here with my old pal, Scott Simpton, who, uh, uh, well, there's a whole, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things, but I'm supposed to mention, of course, that we are here at the Fabulous Cannon on the west side of Houston. So this is your second time, second time to be it's here. Lovely. It's lovely. It, it's, it's a little busier this time. There's more people. It's very busy. The, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was uh, last time we did this kind of in the middle of everything and it was a little quiet yeah, yeah it was pretty hopping cool. today although I, I have to say that even even in in the dead of night so to speak that year that we call 2020 <laughs> um it was never completely empty. There was yeah. always somebody here. Somebody was always here doing something. Working. So, uh, so that's, it was good. To, it was good. It's to a see great humans. space. Yeah, it, it really is. is. It is good. All right. All right. Enough about the cannon. So, um, I, you know what else I was thinking about too? Now you were, let's see. You were on. Were you on? You were on this show, right? The uh-huh. tech show before. When yeah. was, so that was. Was that? Is that like a year ago? Year and a, something like that. Been a while. So, yeah. It's been too long. As, yeah. It has been too Have long. Have you thought of some new things to say this time? So that we, I, I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, warned you, my world hasn't changed a whole yeah, lot. Well, well, uh, but au contraire, uh, I think this. I mean, this is public. I saw a press release. So, so your company got sold. Yeah. Right? Well, from that so. perspective, it changed quite a bit. So, as of last week, um, Reveal Energy Services was bought by Kappa Engineering. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, I, I think, frankly, it'll be a really good fit for us. It, um, you know, they've been around since. Eighty-seven. Yeah, I was trying to. I was trying to remember. Yeah, there. I, I I didn't have a chance to be like go yeah. look it up, but I remember their name for a long time. Yeah. So a lot of bring a lot of stability, which you know, frankly, as a small startup, uh, you you just don't have, right? I mean, right. is Reveal going to be around in a year? Is, yeah, you know, yeah, where yeah, are they yeah. going to be? Yeah. So from a software sales perspective, they bring us a lot of stability, a lot of. Um, a great reputation of having been there, done that, know what we're doing. So, know how to so you're going to continue stuff. to run as kind of a, a software unit within there. Uh, as of right now, as of last, so this is really brand new, right? We yeah. we closed on the third or the fourth of yeah. January, so right. this is really less than a week or so. Um, we are Reveal Energy Services, a Kappa company. Um, oh, okay. So as of right now, we're a wholly owned subsidiary. Uh, everything I've been told is keep doing what you're doing and you know we'll we'll figure out the rest as, <laughs> as we go here so yeah which isn't unusual I, I've been they through a lot of uh, mergers and acquisitions and uh, you, you, you don't want to to disrupt the boat too much right no. you've got a business you're running in yeah. some respects and especially so 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 Kappa's not primarily a software company no no yeah are, no they are big, yeah, yeah 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 oh, okay. it's got Kappa desktop um, oh boy, I'll get them all wrong now. Um, 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 yeah, okay. They're all named after uh, minerals, uh, stones, um, and uh, heavy in production and reservoir. So they they really dominate in that space. Yeah, I guess I think of them more as the engineering uh, aspect of those activities, but mm-hmm. they do have those software products yep. that. Yeah, yeah, okay. So we should fit nicely. As uh, clearly, I actually have no idea what. <laughs> I'm just I'm winging this. As the uh, uh, yeah. you know in the unconventional space completions, so it's a yeah. little bit further upstream, I guess, from where their data is. So we'll right. fit nicely into that space. Right, right. So, then, yeah. um, so on that on that note, um, um, and, and you guys reveal started. Reveal over five years ago. Yeah, I remember it was kind of the kickoff of that one Urtech in San uh-huh. Antonio, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had, yeah, the, you yeah. had the T-shirts and we, everything. Yeah. yeah, and we had the entire company there, all all Th- three. three of us, <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so two interns. 
that were necessary to actually run the, the, the booth. There were, yeah, there um, were times that only the interns were in the booth. It was <laughs> um, um, but it's a great story, though, because that company kind of started out of nothing. Um, and but we had a had a great some great innovation related to. Um, I'm trying to remember. It, it was like you 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 take these measurements all around the. That's it. We took um, uh, so what they would. It was call like an to, inexpensive alternative to to uh, micro seismic, uh, right, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we would take um, surface less expensive, um, less yeah, <laughs> not inexpensive <laughs> surface um, offset well. What they would call offset well pressure. Right. So you had a you know an apparent well or you know the well next to you, the well that you were actually treating. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, high grade gauges, but. At the surface, relatively inexpensive to install, you know, right. um, no people in the field. We weren't deploying hardware of any sort. So, right. um, you know, low risk to operations and that sort of thing. Um, and then we would estimate uh, fracture geometries. That was our that was our core business That's when right. we started. And there was some like proprietary math or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had um, IP come. We spun out of Statoil, so we That's had right. we yeah, had yeah, patents yeah. that uh, had the IP around how to do that coming right, out of Statoil right, right. Be- before they were when they were Statoil. I when guess we were, should yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and over there in the um, are they still over there in West Chase? Uh, yeah, I believe yeah, so. I think yeah, Equinor is, yeah. yeah, I think they're still yeah, over there. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. In the old, uh, old landmark. That's where Landmark used where, to be. In the Landmark building. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Speaking of Landmark, that's another little, uh, that's another little blip in your, in your background. <laughs> Ten years at <of> Landmark. <laughs> Ten years at Landmark. Um, that was where I met you. I was trying to remember, when did we first, we first met, what was it like? Was it 2015, 2016? Uh, I would have thought it was before that. I'd have to go look. 2014. We were trying Something to hire like you away from Landmark, I think was yeah, the original yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, we were unsuccessful. Yeah. Um, and uh, but you were working on what were you working on back then? Uh, graphics, right? Uh, yeah, visualization for uh, yeah. Um, that was prior to me doing um, uh, distributed um, uh, processing. So at the end of my career at Halliburton Landmark, where I was doing um, uh, highly distributed processing, yeah, you yeah. Know, microservices, cloud infrastructure, blah 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 blah, all that. Right back, back <laughs> before we even knew what those words meant. Yeah, yeah. when when we were struggling to really, yeah. So was, I, I want to come back. Actually, that's one of the things I want to come back to. Um, but but that uh, and and then of course you, you you go way back to SGI and, and, and yeah, those days and Shell Research back when it was oh, Shell yeah, Research over Shell on Research. Bel Air when it was over on Bel Air. Back. So so this is the thing that I love about when we get together and talk and you know prior to all this podcast, this fancy podcast stuff, we used to just get together yeah, like at the bar, to at, the bar at the bar and talk. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, um, uh, and the fun thing was that, you know, you, you know, so both of us have been around for a couple a number of years. Couple of years. <laughs> and we could sort of like the conversation could, you know, all like within just, just keeping it within technology, although we had a lot of other interesting <laughs> conversations as well. But if we just keep it within technology, we could kind of bounce around to a whole bunch of different things and, and, and one or both of us would have something interesting Some, to, to something observe. to say about it. <laughs> to observe about that or to say about it. So I thought we could, so, so let's do that. We'll, okay. We'll do that. We'll, so, we'll, so we'll give the audience a little a little peek into you know Michael and Scott. So should they uh, open their open con- their beer now? And open the beer. <laughs> it's probably a good idea. It's probably a good idea. So um, the first thing I want to hit, I want to come back to that cloud and microservices thing, but um, is because uh, we because we were chatting about this a little bit before you know before we turned on the tape recorders, uh, this whole remote working thing, and you and mm-hmm. I both come from 
a generation where um, let's just say that we, we, we're you know, we're going to be conflicted about this remote working topic <laughs> probably forever, right? There's certain benefits to uh, to everybody, people working together. There's certain benefits to giving people flexibility. What, like, what what do you, I don't know, what, what's top of mind as you kind of look at where this whole remote working thing is going? Is it working? Is it not working? Should we do more of it? Should we do less of it? <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, for me, personally, uh, and you know, I, we go back a long way, right? Shirt and tie, and yeah, you know, yeah. back. Uh, I miss those days. Uh, actually, yeah. I don't know that I miss that. It's been the, a long time since I wore the a tie. tie the tie in the summertime in Houston is, yeah. is can be a little <laughs> rough sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I personally, uh, um, you know, running a software team, find great value in being in a collaborative environment, a, a live collaborative environment, where right. I can walk around the corner. Um, and there's a lot for me, um, it, there's a number of reasons for it. I, I find that if I'm just walking down the hall and, and can stick my head in someone's office just to check on them, how you doing? I can tell if they're struggling. I can tell if they need help. I can tell if they're like slammed and head down and right. you know, stay out of my hair. Are, are you sure that they're just not having anxiety because you keep sticking your yeah, head in keep, their office? Yeah, keep bothering them. Yeah, right. um, um, or, or I guess the question is, so I'm with you on what, everything you just said, but it makes me wonder is like, does your team think that, right? Or if they were sitting here, would they say, yeah, that's just because he's old and he doesn't know yeah, how to use Slack and he keeps wanting to stick his head in and see what we're doing. Could or, be, or, could be. Or, uh, you but know, I also find, uh, I, I can't really, I, I can't honestly no, right? If they think I'm just being a bother to them or not. Well, if they listen to this, then they're going to tell yeah, me. Yeah, they're going to tell me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, you know, <laughs> stay out of my, stay out of my air, would you please? But I, but I get your point, though. There's a certain element of, and by the way, uh, Brian Dawson, the CEO of Corva, which is right here right in here. the Canon, he's a, he's, and, and he's, he's, he's much younger than you, than you and I. And, uh, um, and he's a big, advocate of this like you that energy of that collaborative energy yeah. of being together even in un remember we used to have like unscheduled yes discussions yes right yeah. so yeah you get, yeah so i find I, I find value in that just from a keeping an eye on things um i find real value in talking to um, departments or divisions that i don't directly deal with on a day-to-day basis sales for one Uh, i'm not involved in our sales deals so i don't have a a reason to be calling someone on teams and you know checking in with them but if i see them in the office i i can slip my head in in their office too see what's going on and see where they're struggling can i help them yeah stuff like that um our service team our operations team same sort of thing what jobs are you working on how's it going where's your pain points just just chatting it's a good point about two things that you can tell by looking at people like 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 you first said when you can look at somebody in your team you see if they're struggling before I derailed that mm-hmm. the, before I derailed the goodness of that that <laughs> insight um, it's true right like um, it, it's true in all aspects of things so for example in the sales world that I have participated in right I used to be able to tell if somebody on my team sales sales guy on my team you know he's been telling me now for a while that this deal is basically in the bag right yeah. and and we've all i mean you know it's it's common right i mean salespeople are supposed to be optimistic if they weren't optimistic they would never succeed right 
but then I would go and, and, and all the indications looked like this is happening, but then I would go to a meeting and sit with this client or this prospect in the room. And I could see just from the body language, just from the <laughs> face that this isn't happening. I'm not saying it's never happening, but it's not happening today. Right. And it's probably not happening tomorrow. Right. right? You can see things like yeah. that, that, and even on a, like a call, a video call, it's not the same. It's, not the same, it's right? just not the same. Yeah. And um, so the, now the flip side of that, so I find real value. Um, I, I find real value when we're planning. So we do a scrum, uh, right. agile uh, development process, uh, two week scrums. We plan once, we plan once a, once a two sprint. Week sprints. Two week sprints. Two week scrum me. would be two, really long yeah. meeting. Yeah. Two week sprints. Um, yeah, and we plan, and you do the backlog. Do right? the backlog. Do the we do the grooming, and then we do the planning. Right. And the whole yeah. the whole nine yards. When we're planning, um, and people are questioning the stories, right? What am I? What's this really supposed to be doing? What's What's the detail here? I find that better live. You get up on a whiteboard. You can You can really have a, a a discussion, which you can do on Teams, but it's not the same. It's just yeah, it's just not, not right. the same. The flip side of that is um, what I've learned over the last two years is I personally... Hanging out with the youngsters. Hanging yeah. out with the youngsters. Yeah. I don't need to be in the office every single day. Like right. There isn't necess- that value, while I think is very important, is, does, is not greatly diminished if I'm working from home two days a week. If I'm, it, 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 it does not have to be a continuous thing for right. me to have that value. Would, 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 you, would you go so far as to say that it, it might even, the optimizing point might actually be to, to not be, yeah. right? Like, like there's some goodness that you get back. So it's one thing to say it's not necessary to right. be in the office for five days. But it's another thing to say, actually, if I only go to the office for a portion of the time, and I work, that there's some goodness that I get back and actually kind of optimizes. Yeah, I, I think there's, I, I don't know exactly where, like we're still learning. And it depends reveal. on what you're doing and what's and going it, on, right? And I, yeah, I think that's true. I think you have to really gauge, um, and my wife and I, at the start of the week, she'll say, what, what's your schedule this week? And I said, <laughs> well, I'm going to go in the yeah. office. You know, I yeah. always go in Tuesdays and Thursdays, typical, but, there's this other thing going on, so I'm planning on going to the office at least a half a day or whatever. Right, right. Because uh, some things for me are just better live. They're just better yeah. when I sit across, like coming down here to talk to you. Yeah. Like well, we could just, do this. We could do this online. Better but it wouldn't, it wouldn't be wouldn't be as good. Uh, All right. So um, what? Uh, so one more thing before we move on to. So here's the thing: is when we're when we're having these freeform discussions that we've like had traditionally, yeah. we don't really have to like like monitor them. They just sort of go however they go. But right. but nobody wants to listen to us for the next two hours. So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to put some like some gatekeeping in, right? In. Right. And so, but one more thing before we move on to something else, which is um, you hear a lot of people saying that well, remote working works so much better now because we have because of the technologies that we have available now that we didn't have even just a few years ago and because of the mindset that sh- that was forced to shift on account of uh you know that right the year of night right and uh so i mean do you think th- so it, does that is it does that, do those capabilities is is there is there really goodness in all that or does it really yeah. come down does yeah. that does that make it 
It, I, I, improve your ability with your team absolutely. to do things that you Absolutely. Right. Things like Slack. Um, uh, we, we're now on Teams, but things like Slack and Teams and, and their capabilities um, uh, have improved to the, to the point where um, it's possible to do and be productive. Like we yeah. measured, we haven't found, um, you know, we were working from home for uh, six, seven months yeah. for a while in there, just totally shut down the office, go home, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. stay home. Um, and after, you know, the first couple of weeks, we did not measure a, a big drop in efficiency with right. respect to, you know, lines of code, however you want to measure it, right, um, right. hitting our deadlines, hitting our, our story points. Right, right. right. Um, where I think we struggled was... Uh, sort of global understandings. So everyone was doing their job. We, uh, we got yeah, our stories. Sure. We got our story points. We we you know we hit all our marks. We hit but all you our lose metrics, context. But right. you lose the context. There yeah. were I'd go weeks without talking to the sales guys, and um, and I'd go weeks without seeing you know some of my own team yeah, in sure. the flesh. And um, you just lose, I think, context. Yeah. 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 Good point. So you end up with so it's good that we have the new capabilities because they they give us a lot more options, but right. but it but it's probably a mistake to say the offices are no longer needed anymore because and it doesn't have to be an office, right? It could be like here at the Canon. Yeah, I you mean, come here part time. You know, you get to, you can you can use the the I almost said you can use the facilities, which would <laughs> sound like a long way to drive just to use the facilities, right. but but <laughs> but. But it doesn't have to be the traditional office setting either, right? right? Yeah, right. so interesting. Um, all right, I want to move on. Because um, something else that we were, we were chatting about earlier is, um, is uh, you know, we oil and gas industry today with all the digital ambitions and everything, data is at the center of every single conversation. But data has always been at the center of, of every conversation in this industry. Um, it might it, we might be talking about it in a different way now than than we used right. to, right? Because maybe we're talking now about about using some data that's produced operationally for a particular function, and we're talking about not only do we want to use that data for that function, but we want to use that data for another purpose right. to help us be smarter, right. et cetera, et cetera. But the fact is, is that this industry has been trying to figure out how to do data things, you know standards, architectures, <laughs> centralized repositories, right, right, right? All these things. Distributed repositories. Yeah, distributed. Go back and forth. Right, right. Um, what, what, uh, so, so how do you see it now? Like you look out and we see all these things. We've talked about always to you. We've talked about, um, POSC. Um, POSC. <laughs> back in the day. POSC. Yeah. So, all right. So let's start with, with POSC. Okay. What, what, what so, so anyway, I don't even. There might be a few people in the audience who don't. POSC stood for <laughs> POSC. POSC, right? Yeah. Um, the, in short, it was POSC. It's been around. It was going on when I. So I entered the industry in 1990 at Shell Research. It was. Uh, yeah. We were talking about POSC then. It was a standards standards right. body. You can find the documents online today. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing about POSC is, uh, it, I mean, and they were so they were trying to build a, a digital. Representation, uh, a, you know, a global digital representation of all the data, right? Reuse, plug-in, blah blah blah, all all the things that you kind of want. And it was a consortium, right? It was a consortium, uh, standards body, you know, however right, you want right. to think about that um, stuff. And uh, but one of the things, one of the concrete things that came out of that that we still use today is WitsML. 
It's, yeah. it's like one of the few, if I think back. Speaking of Corva and Ryan down the hall, they, that's how they do what they do. They just connect to your WitsML feed and suddenly magic happens. Right. right? And yeah. so there's a great example of, call it a standard, call it a protocol, uh, however you want to think about that right. data definition, what it really is a data definition mm -hmm. for transferring, transferring well data. That has, it grew out of that consortium gained effectively a life of its own and right. is still in use today because it's practical, it's well understood, it's easy. And if you publish WhatsML, which has now become kind of a given, but it's a given because it's because everyone's doing it. It's, right. it's not right. a given because someone stood up and said, here is the right. standard. Right. Someone said, here is a way to do this, a standard, and people use it. And, well, it's served a, a very specific practical purpose. Right. It's concrete. You can, it's not, it's not like an abstract, it's not a design pattern. Right. <laughs> where maybe, right. you know, because sometimes I look at some of the things that, I, that people are doing now in the way of these architectures or what, whatever, right? And they're almost more like, like I remember asking this question, I remember asking this question uh, when, when speaking of OSDU, when they were they were getting into that, and I was trying to understand, okay, well, what is it exactly? Now I know that this is in the earlier days when, uh -huh. well, not early, early. This is probably middle, right? It's been right. around for five years, and and I was like, so, and I'm listening to what somebody's describing, and I said, so it's like a design pattern, and they said, no, 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 no. There's an implementation. Okay, well, what's the implement? Like. Like the the different, and I think they've they've begun to figure out all, a lot of that in the last couple right. of years. But but um, but WitsML was a perfect example of it's it wasn't too big in scope. Right. It solved a very specific purpose, and like you could like see it and touch it, and you knew exactly what you're supposed to do with it. And so right. everybody picked it up and started right. using it. Right. And we could. But there's not. You like, don't have it for production data. There's you not don't a whole have lot it of for those, completion right? data. No, yeah. we don't. And name another one. I, I'm not sure. It's my job, but I'm not sure I could name another one like that um anything uh, out of ppdm segway? maybe segway segway for seismic yeah and uh but right you don't see it uh, segway being segway which you know if there's 10 different versions right it's <laughs> like the it's it like the ascii text 3D. file yeah. of, of seismic right and it doesn't work for 3d uh, it right. does but no one uses it right yeah um, yeah it's uh Anything out of PPDM, maybe? Have they? Uh, I don't think. So, so, so the question is, um, I, I guess the the thing that I, I wanted to contemplate is, like, are we getting better at this use of? Because the one thing that we see happening in the industry is the desire to collaborate across companies and like different kinds of companies, or even um, amongst people that would mm -hmm. be competitors. I mean, OSDU kind of showed that, right? And you see it in other places as well. You see it in in like uh, in subsea, uh, like the EPC companies are are wanting to work more with the the opera like across right. the like you see this like like and and the digital transformation uh, ambitions are driving a more sense of being open and collaborating with each right. other. So so that's good. That. But are we getting better at the what the product of those collaborations I, is? We don't see it in the form of standard protocols. And and OSDU's right from the standpoint of what's different is they have an implementation, right? Uh, like my boss, Sean, Sean <laughs> right. Spicer, our, our yeah, yeah. vice president of engineering, right. great guy. 
he will tell you all the time, shipping code wins. Yeah. Right? I, I don't care what you're doing. Right. And back in the day, uh, there was one of the word processing folks from, I mean, we're talking about back in the 80s, would say, standards is what's shipping in quantity. And if you think about, like, uh, Microsoft yeah. Word, like, right. Word docs are a de facto standard, but they're only a de facto standard because it's shipping in quantity. Right. There's nothing standard about that. Right. They beat, like, in terms of quantity, they beat WordStar, they beat WordPerfect, right. they beat... Yeah. Like, so, so OSD is right from the standpoint about what's different in their doing is they've got an implementation because shipping code wins. Yeah. It's, it, it's more than just here's the standard. It's here just you can use this like you can actually do it where we're where i think we're falling kind of from my perspective at reveal and even my perspective back at halliburton is i don't feel like we're doing the small things like we've got production data coming in off the wells where's where's kind of the de facto standard for everyone's got the same that it production data right i mean yeah. it's got to be right. close when it's coming off the off the van right it can't be that much different where's that standard that we can agree on just simple instead of doing and i and i love those to you guys right but instead of doing the universe can we just do the the simple thing can right. we just do the, can the we do the wits and l version ML, right of, wasn't there a prod ml project yeah or am yeah. i imagining that there was though right there but was. It's, but it didn't... Uh, didn't really... So, it, whereas I, I think that that's... I personally think that we'd see a lot of value in some of the smaller things where it was clear what's the communication path. What's the... Yeah. You know, yeah. this stuff's just streaming off of whatever sensor. How do I get a hold of that right, in right, a cheap right. and easy way? Yeah. Yeah, there's probably... And relatively lightweight. WitsML is lightweight. You don't need it. You can write your own or pick one up or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good. So, all right. So we're. I think the 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 spirit of collaboration is probably doing the industry a lot of good. Yeah. And um um and, and the other thing is, and this gets to another topic that I wanted to hit, which is. It, it seems to be easier. It seems so. Shipping code wins. Um, it seems to be easier nowadays, or faster at least, to materialize things, right? Like to bring things into existence in terms of software. And, mm-hmm. and um, like you and I both come from the age when if you were going to, and we were talking about this earlier, like the build versus buy discussion, yeah. right? The, the old build versus buy discussion always involved, like the alternative was if we, if we, if we buy something, it won't quite be exactly what we want, and hopefully we don't end up in customization hell, right? right? And integration right. hell. Yeah. Um, but but probably we're going to get it done faster, and maybe we're going to spend less money um, if we build it. If we build it ourselves, then we know for we know for sure that it's going to be what we want. It's going to be what we want, assuming we don't fail. <laughs> and, <laughs> but it's going to take a really long time and by the time we get it done no one will even remember like 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 people will have rolled off the project right. they, they won't even know anymore and right. and and who knows how much it's going to cost and and we're going to have to answer all these questions that we can't answer about you know how long it's going to take and what are we and but it seems like now and I'm kind of connecting this to the collaboration thing mm-hmm. if people are interested in collaborating 
it's good timing because the tools that we have available to bring things into existence can really speed up the process and kind of yep. flush out a lot of that risk that we used to have whenever it was time to go create something new. It is, that, that's my view, but I don't, how does it look to you? I, I, th I think in general, um, you're absolutely right. It, it is easy to bring things sort of to market, if you will. Um, it's it's much easier these days to stand up a web server, yeah, a microservice. Call it what you want, right? It's easy to get a lambda. Wait, did you just say that a microservice and a web server are the same thing? Well, <laughs> I mean, you got to have a web, you got to have a, a, a service it's, front end to get true. to your microservice <laughs> cl cloud. It's kind of true how yeah like, we make fancy names for things. things that, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's you know it's easy to deploy a microservice. It's easy to right. to put something into a Docker container and deploy it wherever you want to deploy it and have it run. Um, it's pretty easy these days to put up a full blown uh, HTTP server in front of that and, yeah, and sure. have a protocol and make your call. Everyone's got an API these days, right? Yeah, anyone can connect. Almost everyone. Um, yeah, almost everyone. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it's it's easy these days in Azure or Amazon to to put up a Lambda function that right. transfers data. Serverless, right. Yeah, yeah. This, whole, this whole idea of serverless. Um, if you start digging under the covers, if you really start you know, optimizing things aren't quite right for you and you want to do a little bit more, you'll start to uncover that there isn't any magic under there. There's just a whole lot of boilerplate code that right. you don't see anymore. And for good reason, right? You right. don't need to write, it's boilerplate because it's boilerplate. You don't and, and we don't it. and we don't worry so much anymore about having to like condense the code to make right. it run better, right? right? So you can right. Um, so it's it's much easier from that perspective. Um, uh, I've always maintained. Sean and I have always maintained that it's always cheaper to buy than build. Always, um, and uh, even if it's open source, right? If you think about buying open source, what you're really saying is we're going to commit to the fact that this is open source. And if we need to make a change, we'll we'll make the change and we'll give it yeah, back. And yeah, that's, yeah. But it's a buy. It's right. not it's not free, but it's certainly cheaper to pick something up, use it, adapt it if need be, than to try to build it from scratch. Right. But the difference is that now what you're buying is sort of like the kit that allows you. It's kind of like a it's like a, a blend between the two approaches. So before, when we used to say buy, it was it was try to buy a finished product. Oh, right. Right? Right. And now what we're saying is we're going to buy uh, the, 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 the pieces the stuff yeah. that allows us to then assemble a lot of that. things that do what we yeah. want them to all, do. All the services right? that Amazon is providing, right? You're buying the parts, whatever it might right. be. And same for Azure. I'm not yeah, biased yeah, one yeah, way or the same. other. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you're, you know, you're buying their services and then you're going to string them together to to form some application that you're going to provide out to the outside world. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And if you provide an API, someone can hook into yours and, and right. adapt it for their needs and provide their own. Or if you're doing it in house, right? If you are, if you're an operator, or you know, um, you're not necessarily trying to bring something to market, but you're trying to create the stuff that it, it's, it is in a sense. And and by the way, in house development teams could could do a lot better if they followed commercial thinking and the sure. way they produce stuff. But the point is that now um, I can, I can, um, I, it, the choice isn't so much between try to buy a finished product and hope it fits our workflows, right? Or build that, build, build everything the all, all the way, all the plumbing yeah. and everything from scratch, right? You can, you, there's things that you can get that allow you to assemble. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where, 
in my mind, that spirit of collaboration, it, it, it's... Right. It's so coming back to different. that, it makes it... I mean, one, one thing I think that used to... I'm sorry, I just like, I'm going to run right over you. That's what I get. Keep but, going. But, but one, one thing that I think killed some collaboration efforts is it takes too long. You know, like you said, like shipping code wins, but it takes too long, especially when it's a consortium and it's not everybody's primary job. Yeah, right? yeah. It's hard to get things up in that way. But world. if you can collaborate, even if it's not a consortium, even if it's just two companies collaborating, right? If you can collaborate and produce something fairly quickly before everybody loses yeah. interest in it, yeah. right? That's that's a, yeah. a, a difference. I, I, to me, it's the open source model. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's the same kind yeah, of idea, like, right? Good how point. do I, how do I get this? How do I invest what I need to invest? How do you invest what you need to invest? And we both get something that we can use out the door in whatever model you want to think about that if it's yeah. functions or software right so there's hope then there's, hope there's certainly hope yeah. <laughs> well the reason why I put it that way is because and you and I have laughed about this before where we look at something that somebody's doing new and we say you know, we've seen this before. And when we saw it before, we said, we've seen this before, right? Yeah. And, um, but I, but I, think, I think the landscape's a little different now, I think. I think the, the, the economics are forcing, you know, it was the economics that really forced oil companies to take digital transformation seriously. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and now, you know, transition, whether you talk about new energy transition or just the transition in the business itself, right? Because right. uh, like all of these factors are making people more open to collaboration. Let's, let's, we, we need, we can't just keep doing it the same way we've always done it. Right. Um, and so I, I think, I think all that's working. I do too. I, and I think it's um, uh, time and effort to market. Yeah. I, I think there's um, a much um bigger push now to uh, you know we need something up and running we want to see it up and running so right. how do you get from zero to soon we want to see it up and running soon, soon. yeah, yeah. I, i'm not going to yeah. wait for two right. years I, i'm not investing for two years right to see what you come up with we you know we need prototypes up we need working code up we need something that the outside world can respond back to us and say that's not working for me yeah. it needs to adapt and change and, and right you, it's why we do scrum right it's why right, we do agile right. it's it's that whole notion and you just did a perfect segue into the next topic which is, <laughs> because what you just said was was we we need we need pilots we need proofs of concept we need right um because we need to see something however we now move into the deployment challenge yes right which is which is well uh, like okay it works in the lab but now we have to deploy it at scale right. geographically distributed complex environments we have to be able to operate it and support it right um and sustain it um, right and and to that we get to and when it comes in that question enter the whole and you, you mentioned the cloud people and you can talk about Amazon because they're a sponsor so you okay. say, say, say good things about Amazon um, but 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 now we get to that whole cloud right so the so the cloud or the multi-cloud or the hybrid cloud or the like something cloud is or the server in your back room is, <laughs> is um, I remember actually one time I had a I had an internal web server in my office because we had to get this new thing up and running so fast and we just 
and I walked into my office one day and I tripped over the, the cord. <laughs> Kicked it out? Like, no, I tripped over the, the, po- the power. Yeah. And cut, yeah, no, it turned it off. Did you kick it out? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kicked the, kick the cord yeah. out of the pong. This yeah. is, I, I don't want to say what decade this was, but, <laughs> but it didn't start with a two. So, <laughs> so, no. So this deployment question comes along and, and, and now we have all this consternation about the cloud and, and you know, and well, my apps you know, my old apps don't run with microservices. Right. So I have to virtualize them and what's the best solution and should, and what about, and what about, I want to be able to move things around and different, like all of this. And I said something recently on a, on a, on a, on a recent episode, which you picked up on, right? which yeah. was, I said, I think that all of that's going to eventually just sort of get settled and not be a, like, we're not going to be having all of these intense, yeah. you know, and I told uh, you that I agreed with you. You did, uh, which um, well, you were actually a little surprised. And I was surprised. <laughs> Because usually, usually the smarter technical guy will say, "Well, you're oversimplifying, right? The complexities don't allow." But but you actually think that that eventually we just quit worrying about all that. Yeah, right? I think um, I think for the most part, um, architects like myself, boy, uh, this will be a dangerous statement. Already have. I mean, from mm. from from the standpoint of I know without a doubt that I could go to Azure or Amazon or Google and spin up just about anything I need, be it a Lambda service, a, a Lambda function that I can write and spin right. up in you know, a matter of hours, if not minutes. Right. Um, a container that I already have, that I've already built and know, right? That I can throw somewhere and have it come up you know, in someone else's services. I, I know I can do this. But what about if you're having to do that, but, but you're the guy in the lab. So what about if you have to do that at enterprise, at enterprise scale in a way that is supportable and deployable? And so this is what I hear from people is that that's a whole... Yeah, a different ball game. Yeah. Today, maybe. Um, but... There's so many groups that are already doing this stuff. And the cost optimization comes into play, right? right you know. I mean, you've got a decision point to make. It isn't necessarily cheaper dollar-wise to run you know, a service in the cloud 24/7. You're paying. Yeah, for sure. It's a business for them, yeah. right? And, and they're Amazon, pretty good at and they're pretty good I've at seen it. the stock price. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's there's real value in in being able to scale and contract, right? So if you've got real scale issues and you don't know, you know, what your traffic is going to be or what your what your need is going to be, there's real value in being able to say, I need a thousand processors or I need ten. Um, but just cost wise, dollar wise, on a CPU or or a VM, just go price a VM at whatever size, right. and then cost out what that what a real machine at that cost yeah. would be yeah and um you can you know over a period of a year or so you can you can pay for the machine now you got to service it you got to update it you gotta, there's a ton of other things that come along with it but it isn't just dollars right? yeah it isn't yeah. just right there's a there is a a, a trade-off cost optimization um uh, distance is still distance. Where is my data? How far away is it? Right. I still have to transfer it. Um, there's a lot of other things that go in. But from the standpoint of can I deploy at scale? 
can I can I deploy in this space? I, I think the answer is can I get is, the data where it needs to absolutely be? Absolutely, right? yes. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of optimization to go into that, but it wouldn't concern me as an architect to to have someone say we're going to have to deploy this at scale. Uh, you know, across the, like we're going to do everything as a service. We're doing we're we're not deploying any software into a into a client. They're all coming to us. We need to build all that up. Okay, I'm yeah. not going to do it tomorrow. Right, I, right. I got a lot of work to do to make sure that we do that and do that right. But there's a lot of companies that are already doing that. And again, it's it's probably cheaper to buy it than yeah. than to build it. So if I have to go out and buy some some of that expertise to make sure that we do that, yeah, so be it. And then there's well, and of course. In this industry, or any sort of industry that involves like remote industrial type environments, you, you do get into some tricky things, like what if I don't have connectivity to the rig, and, <laughs> yeah. and um, or what if? But but people are dealing with that too, right? Like Corv is dealing with that, Salesforce is dealing with that. Yeah. Um, um, so we do have some we have some gotchas, I think, right? Or data sovereignty rules, or just um, you know we have so many silos. Um, uh, however, um, to your, to, I think, I think you said this earlier, you said a lot of that is kind of just a computer science problem, right? That, yeah. that somebody's going to solve it and, yeah. then, and then we're going to, I mean, we're, we're not going to worry about it anymore. We're, t- we're talking about, um, I mean, just think about, uh, data transfer, uh, distributed processing, right? Right. If you want to, if it's a microservice or, or however you want to think right, about whatever it, it is, right. um, the, the issue st- from my perspective, come into, um, do I move my processing to my data? Yeah. Or do I move my data to my processing? Oh yeah. It's, but it's, and there's, there, and it's funny because, um, there are two different groups of probably equally smart people with well-prepared slide decks <laughs> to support both of those cases, right. depending on what they're trying to sell. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Processing at the edge or, right. or not processing at right. the edge. Um, even to the point where they will say, they will say that, that we, that we're advocating this because the other is completely impossible and impractical. Right. 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 So, and I could give examples of, of companies that are, uh, and you can give counter examples. And that's why I say it's right. a computer science problem. And, and, and as from a software perspective, you just have to kind of decide what what problem am I solving? Yeah. Is it coming back to your point? It is data dependent. Yeah. If I'm doing terabytes of offshore seismic stack seismic uh, or seismic processing, I probably don't want to stream that. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably not. I probably want to keep that. If I get it in one spot, no. I probably want to keep it in well, one spot. Well, and I can think of some people who would tell you that they have the technology for you to stream that. But uh, and Halliburton's yeah. done that. I, yeah. We were doing yeah. when I was at Halliburton. We absolutely were streaming seismic into the cloud, do processing, and pulling the result at, back at down. full resolution. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. It, it, I mean, again, it's a computer science problem. It, it is. It, if, it is. If it is. you. If you can size up your problem right and start sending data right at whatever speed you can send data, which becomes your gating factor, and you can process that chunk in a reasonable time, while that's going, the next one's going up, mm-hmm. right? And right. so as soon as it gets there, yeah, yeah. you're, yeah, sure. you're sure. effectively done. So you get to the point where by the time I get my data all up, my processing is done. Right. Like, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's doable. It's, it's an interesting perspective to hear somebody talk about this from... So, so you're somebody who has spent your career 
designing, building software applications, right? right? Usually the people having this discussion are people who come from more of a of an infrastructure or operations or something like that, right? And so... Um, from a classic, what we would call IT. IT right? model, right. Right. yeah, that's it's, maybe, yeah, the IT. But as a, as a software architect and somebody who builds stuff, you have an interesting perspective. The other thing is that I think is that will shake out eventually, which is, and I talk about this, I've talked about this before, but cloud, in, we talk about cloud as a location and the challenges involved with moving things to and from. But, but there's another aspect of cloud computing that um, has nothing to do with location, it's about architecture, right? So, you know, if you, if you leave, if you say, well, cloud isn't necessarily a place, right. but it's a, it's a, it's a architecture and operating model. So now we come to, you know, well, we've got hyper-converged infrastructure. We have, we have, you know, software defined everything. And, and I mean, that's when, when you look at when, when the, when the early internet data, you know, whoever, before we even started calling it cloud, but Yahoo data centers <laughs> or Google data centers or whatever, right. That, that's the thing is you have, you have racks of one, U commodity mm-hmm. boxes sure. and right. So, and that leads to all of this other sort of cloud native architecture, mm-hmm. right? The way that you run functions, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's microservices or right. Lambda, the way that you store data, right. object store, da, 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 right? right? So that's the architecture. That architecture can be done anywhere. It doesn't have to be in a cloud data center. It could be in your data center. It could be at the edge. It could be anywhere. And there are plenty of companies who are willing to help you do it, do do that architecture in other places besides just quote unquote the, the cloud, right? And then yeah. we get to we get to, to hybrid cloud. Now, I'll, so I'm, I'm gonna, this is going to take a minute, but I'm, I'm building this. I'm with case. you. Okay. I'm with you. So now, now the problem becomes, and 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 cloud computing is and is the magic of cloud, like all of that, what I just said, that's what gives us this ability to scale up or scale right. down and do all those, you know, f- quick rapid deployments and all the, th- all the nice things that you're talking about. Like as an architect, I know that I can do this stuff. Right. It's because of, it's not because of where it is. It's because of the, the, the underlying architecture. Now, the problem is this industry is chock full of systems and applications and things that weren't built that right. way. So we get to the whole challenge of, well, I can bring cloud computing into my data center. I can bring it to the edge, but my SCADA systems aren't going to run right. native on that. So now you want to, so I, I understand that you want to put these analytics things out there and they run on the new stuff, but my SCADA systems run on the old stuff. So now I need a virtualization environment that, that can interact with it, right? So right. you see where all this is going. Yep. Um, I think a lot of that is what's causing a lot of the consternation, right? Well, how long and how much is it going to take for me to take all my legacy apps, which by the way, we still run the business with, <laughs> right. and, and have them work in these new environments. I think right now there's a lot of, like all that's a big hairball, but eventually all that shakes out. There's cloud, art, cloud computing architecture everywhere, you know, at home, in, in the public cloud, at the edge, wherever, wherever you're, right. you know, remote locations, right. call, and, and, and everything becomes copacetic and we quit caring about it because we solve all those problems of how to run the old stuff and the new stuff together right. and all that. And then, and like right now there's a lot of noise about all that, but I think that eventually goes away and then it, then like we stop caring. I, I don't know. It becomes, that's a big statement though. I mean, what do you, be, I don't disagree. Um, I, I think there's some nuances in that. So uh, take the legacy system. The problem really becomes if you design your system, architect your system up front, 
to be scalable, to be um, right. segmented, to be containerized, however you want to think about good design, good right, separation right. of concern. Yeah, yeah. Go to go to any CS department and you'll hear them talk about things like separation of concern. Right. I haven't heard that one for a while. Um, but yeah, that's a, uh, yeah. Inverted dependencies. You, you start right. to hear these design. Now, those those design patterns, if you will, uh, concepts are true if you're building a desktop app with a bunch of libraries or if you're building a cloud microservice. It's all about how do I decrease the dependency within my code so right. that I can use it in a number of different places. So take the legacy stuff, right. it, you can virtualize it, or um, you can start to, to, and they may already be designed this way if they were depending on, you know, because we've been doing this for decades. This isn't yeah. new. This, they taught me this in the 80s, right? This is, these are smart folks doing things back then. I, I was in high school just yeah. <laughs> Um, so, not for all of the eighties. Like take the yeah, <laughs> take the SCADA system. A couple of the eighties. Um, if you can, if you could pull apart those those pieces such that your ingest is separated from whatever your processing piece. Yeah, uh, you've got a fighting chance to take the processing piece, deploy it wherever you want to deploy. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. And and the ingest as well. And now that now that I've separated those concerns, I, I just it's a deployment problem it's and a yeah. data transfer problem let's not forget right once right. you've separated these things no matter how you separate them apis microservices interprocess communication whatever that separation is now you've got a data transfer data protocol we're back we're yeah, all the way back yeah. to yeah, uh, yeah. how do i share my data right of course yeah but um yeah that's interesting it's uh and a lot of those products well i don't know about in this I would guess in the skater world. I remember, you know, you and I both used to work in the seismic world, and a lot of the commercial products were designed and, and built by people whose specialty, whose expertise was the science, not the software yeah. architecture, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so it you worked. can see it in the code. It worked. <laughs> it worked. But some of these principles that you're talking about, these patterns, were not. We're not there. We're not there. Right there. In any stretch of the imagination. And um, uh, I remember one. This one, uh, one very young, very smart geoscientist that we had at one particular company that I was, and he had an idea to write a piece of software. And you know, he was he was a good coder in the yeah. sense that he could get the code to do very sophisticated things that he could envision. Right. But, um, and he wrote this whole thing that, he, you know, and he wouldn't let anybody look at it while he was working on it, right? <laughs> it's like the back room, no, 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 it's, yeah, not, yeah, ready. Yeah, it's, it's not, not ready, it's not ready, it's not ready. And when, he, and when he got done with it, it was brilliant. I mean, it was absolutely brilliant. It was like one line of code, <laughs> the whole right. thing. Right? Not really one line, but it was sort of like just one big bundle of start to finish, right? right? It just, there was, nothing was separated, nothing. So, um, so a lot of our l legacy apps, I think, in the, you know, science and engineering disciplines probably... You know they're not that bad, but yeah. there's some of that in there. So, yeah, right? and and so there's going to be pain points along the way, yeah. right? I mean, but again, we come back to a computer science problem. Right. And right. It, it's I was thinking about this the other day. Someone um, called me once, and, and they were looking for some advice, and they wanted to know. So my title at, at Reveal is chief architect. Right. So what is a software architect? They were they were uh, <laughs> a recruiting firm. This is a young yeah. lady was, and she yeah. wanted to know what like because she wants to know what she's supposed to be looking for. Exactly. Right. 
and and I gave her a, kind of the pat answer of uh, of what I think an architect is. And I was thinking about this. I can't even remember why. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. The truth of the matter is, my job as an architect is to protect the investment. My job is to make sure that we can um, extend, change, and support the software that we're writing because it's a huge investment. Yeah. Right? If you just think about lines of code. Man right. hours. Right. It's a huge investment. You get these legacy systems that you can't support, that you can't easily mm-hmm. drag along with you. You've got an investment problem. And my job as an architect really is to protect whose ever money is going into the system. That's an interesting point of view. To protect yeah. that. Because so, anyone can write. It's easy to write code. I, I, th- I think that's a, really, that's a really insightful observation. I don't think you helped her at all. With I didn't. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm fairly confident. And she's not going to know. Like, it. I still yeah. don't know what that yeah, means. She's, she's still working on those bullet points. Yeah, for job, yeah. <laughs> job it's true, though. It's. Uh, I mean, that. I think you could apply that to even generically the concept of an architect, right? It's when you look at if you have somebody designing your house, mm-hmm. an architect, right. or an office building, or a skyscraper. The the one that who's kind of like on the line to make sure that things work the way they're supposed to work. And you get what you're supposed to get and all that. That's that, that comes back to the architect, right? If if the architect doesn't get it right, then nobody else is getting it right. 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 But you don't pay for it until down the road, right? (laughs) Right. Be it a house, be it a structure, be it, yeah. When things start to break, that's when you pay for it. That's when you, exactly, exactly. Like, um, I'm still dealing with some of the, uh, some of the walls in my house that aren't really <laughs> like like straight. Yeah. Or, you know, the angle, like this is supposed to be a right angle, <laughs> but it's, it's not a right angle. So, uh, all right, well, good. Well, I think um, we, have, we have burned through a, a good number of minutes. So this is, this is really good. Um, uh, we might, we, so You'll we, have to uh, edit this down to uh, something uh, reasonable. I don't know. I don't, so I have, I have two options right now. We could, we, could, we could wrap up now and call it kind of a long episode. Or we could keep talking and split it into two episodes, but I think, but I think, I think we gotta. The bar is the like, bar is like we gotta. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, it's definitely that time. You take it to the bar. Take it to the bar. The second maybe, episode, maybe we do the second uh, episode from the bar. Gets released between Christmas and New Year's. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. All right. Well, um, good. All right, Scott. Thanks for. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming on down to the, to the fabulous Canon once again. It's always good to talk with you. And uh, we'll um, I'm, I'm, start thinking about whatever. Let's start thinking about what we want to talk about next time because next time we can't say all the same stuff. Right? <laughs> gonna have, it's going to have to be something different. I have to go back and listen to the old one, make sure yeah, I didn't repeat sure. myself. We may have. Um, and and uh, good luck with the new the new, uh, the new thing. You. I don't know. What the, you've been acquired. You're still acquired. still doing the same thing. But uh, uh, Captain yeah. Engineering, we're, we're very excited. Yeah, uh, hopefully okay. they're listening no yeah <laughs> they're a fabulous company unfortunately i had no idea what they're really, really excited yeah yeah good all right okay thanks thank you well there you have it folks you are now at well assuming that you are still listening uh, and, uh, and that you're still out there and if you are and if you made it this far then i commend you for that and uh, it means that you are now an honorary member of the michael and scott rambling conversation club but um but I always love talking to Scott because, you know, he's got such great historical knowledge, but he, but also he's still very much in the present. He is working uh, immersed among the cool kids, and uh, he always just has great uh, observations and viewpoints and things like that. So 
Um, so now, so, so I hope, so I hope it was enjoyable for you because we certainly had a good time. All right. That's going to wrap it up. Uh, thanks as always to all of our faithful listeners for uh, keeping us going, uh, without you, we have no reason to be here. So keep listening, tell your friends about it, follow OGGN, uh, probably best on LinkedIn. You can find out about all the things that we're doing and, um, and, and that's it. And thanks to, uh, the OG, Joe, <laughs> thanks to, <laughs> You know, when you try to wrap it up quickly, this is what happens. Anyway, thanks to the OGGN crew for all of the great hard work that they do. Most especially my audio fixer guy, Mr. Mac Roman, who always makes us sound fantastic. And remember, and Scott can tell you this probably as good as anybody, um, whenever you hear people talking about oil and gas being an old industry that does not, isn't up with the times and doesn't like change and does, isn't innovative, then you just you got to give them that little history lesson. Uh, take them, take them on a little, little walk through memory lane back a hundred years or so, and explain to them that we were tech before tech was cool. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil and Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oggn.com.